All right. Well, guys, uh, we're going to get into the Bible. And uh, we love the Bible, don't we? We're going to continue with our series. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. I'm deaf. You know, that's okay. I'll speak louder. Uh-huh. <laughs> Shock! What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, tumbleweed moments, aren't they? Uh, we're going to talk about being deaf. Um, you know, I, I, when I was, I think I must have been about 16, and my sister uh, said, hey, listen, my sister lived in London at the time. She said, come on, come down, hang out. We're going to go to a concert. I won't tell you what concert it was. And we went to this concert, and, um, and it was unbelievable. Wembley, 80,000 people. I was probably, you know, 40 yards from the front. Unbelievable. I was deaf for two days. Yeah! That's, that's how you gauge it. You had a great time. I remember getting on the tube after the concert, and people were speaking, and I was like, what? What? You know? Hello? You know? Uh, two days ringing in my ears. Um, anyone had that? Anyone experienced that? You're like, yes, most Sundays when I stand in front of that speaker. <laughs> anyone, anyone done this? You're at the house. You've got headphones on. Come on, let's, this is it. Headphones, or you're on an aircraft, and you've got your headphones on, but you forgot they're on. And you're having a conversation with people around you, and it's really loud. <laughs> you ever done that? Yeah, I've done that. I'll be like, Tor! She's like, you're all white. What are you doing? You know? <laughs> My dad was the best. We were in an airport. We'd been on holiday. We were coming back from Turkey. We had a, like a delay. So I had my little laptop out. I said, Dad, why don't you watch this film? Plugged it in. He's got these big, you know, big cans on, you know, skull candy. You know, my dad looked cool. He had like these skull candy headphones on. And then he, he obviously just forgot. And he's like, Jay! I'm like, Dad, I'm here. I, you know, it was like, it was like he could have been the announcer, you know. <laughs> struggle to hear you know sometimes I guess we just have a little window for those of us that don't have hearing issues I probably you know that couple of days of ringing in my ear and deafness was just a little window into what it's like for anybody who has hearing issues and um, it's a funny thing because actually you, when you can't hear well it does affect your speech doesn't it you know I think people I mean I I don't know, and I know there's some folks here, you know, hearing's a bit of an issue sometimes. But it affects how we articulate uh, and because we can't hear our own words. And I was watching on YouTube last night. I wanted to get it, but I didn't have a chance to. People hearing for the first time, putting implants in, and it was just extraordinary. There was this little, I think, three-year-old, and, and you could see him like this, and then suddenly it was like, And he could hear, and then and then he started to speak, and he's like, I, I can hear my own voice, you know. And so suddenly, as he began to hear, his voice kicked in, and what had been a mumble started to articulate words better. And within a very short period of time, he was almost speaking perfectly. Amazing. What we're going to look at this morning is a lovely moment when Jesus heals a man who couldn't hear. And um, and I just wonder for some of us, some of us have physical hearing issues, and we're going to go there today. But also for some of us, we need to hear in here so that we, our message becomes clearer. You good for it? Are we all right? 
Let's open up our Bibles to Mark, uh, chapter 7, verses 31. This is where we're hanging out here. And, um, yeah, Lord, speak to us through this lovely story, Jesus. We want to be a people, not just people who read the Bible and listen to teaching. But, Lord, we want to be a people that do this stuff. And so would you stir our hearts this morning and raise our expectation levels. Holy Spirit, would you come amongst us in your word this morning and speak and motivate us, we pray. Amen. Okay, let's read a little bit of this. In verse 31 it says, And Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the sea of Galilee into the region of the Decapolis. Now, just just hit the pause button there for a second. It's always good just to understand sometimes geography. So Jesus has gone to Tyre, which is in the northern part of Israel, and it was a Gentile area. Now, before this, remember the the whole crowd issue? Jesus was being crowded out everywhere he went. Remember the the guys getting the boat to, to go across the sea, and they're like, We're going to go and have some R&R with Jesus. But when he gets there, there's a massive crowd. And then Jesus has compassion and he feeds the 5,000. So off the back of this, Jesus is being constantly harassed by loads and loads of people. And it's really interesting to get away from the crowds. You know what he does? He goes north and he actually goes into Gentile territory. He goes to Tyre and then he goes to Sidon, which is even further north. So it's like... The crowds have been following Jesus, and then it's like he crosses a border of Israel into Gentile territory. Let me tell you, it'll get rid of some of the religious faction very quickly. Those that are there with all sorts of weird agendas and motives, it's going to get rid of those guys, you know, because they, they don't want to be unclean. Okay, that's the kind of thing. So it's like a sifting of the crowd moment. And then there's still some crowds, so he goes even further north into Gentile territory to just kind of get rid of the rest. So he's left with him and just the 12 guys and and a few others. You know, sometimes Jesus goes to unusual places because he wants time with us. You ever found yourself going, why the heck am I here? It's because actually maybe God wants you to get out of the religious zone that we can be in. And let's be honest, we can all be there, can't we? You know, we can all kind of manufacture, kind of just go through the motions, look religious, all of that kind of stuff. And the reality is, some you find yourself in a place it's a bit uncomfortable, and you have to cling to him. This is where we are. So he goes to Sidon, and then the walk from Sidon back into the into Galilee is a time where he just has proper time. We don't know what's said and done, but obviously it's an opportunity just to spend time with Jesus walking. Isn't that lovely? Maybe for some of us, that's where we're at. We need that walk with him. And so he comes down from Sidon into Galilee, into and back on home turf. And the moment he steps into home turf, what happens? Some people, verse 32, there some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged him to place his hands on the man. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers in the man's ears. He spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, 
Now, I'm not a Greek or Aramaic scholar, but it's something like ephathatha. <laughs> there you go. Which means, and I think we'll stick with the English translation, be open. Yeah, it just speaks. Be open. At this, the man's ears were open. How lovely. That moment when that, that, those kids that I saw on YouTube, suddenly they're like, oh, I can hear. That must be amazing. Maybe somebody in this room has actually experienced that. I remember watching a girl who I knew quite well, very, quite a quiet lass, come to a meeting who had been deaf in her, I think it was a left knee, in one of her ears. We were at a healing meeting. And the guy that was preaching and ministering stuck his hands on her ears and prayed. And we were stood at the back, and she's a girl that's really quite a quiet girl, suddenly, literally jumped up and screamed, and then, in reaction to the moment, ran round the room shouting, I can hear, I can hear, I can hear. Honestly, it's, it's probably one of the only times I've properly seen my, my own eyes something. This man, be open. At this man, his ears were open, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. And Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. Don't you love this story? It's a story about someone who can't hear and can't speak, and when suddenly he can hear and he can speak, Jesus says, just keep it down. <laughs> Don't you love Jesus? It's hilarious, isn't it? And let's be honest. There's no way you're going to keep that a secret. Would you agree? And Jesus commanded them, don't tell anyone. But the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. It's always, always the case, isn't it? By the way, this is between me and you. Let's keep this a secret. You are God. So good. Hard to hide. That kind of evidence. In fact, I, I was thinking about this this morning when I was pondering on this. The guy couldn't hear and he couldn't speak. How do you hide that from your family? Does he pretend? Because <laughs> some of us have selective hearing. Yeah. But can you imagine him going home and going, I know what you've been saying about me. You know, <laughs> can you imagine that? Absolutely. And then suddenly go, I know. You know, and it's just speak clearly. Brilliant. Hard to keep all of that a secret under wraps when he's had an encounter with Jesus and it's opened up, opened up his ears and it's released his mouth. Sweet, so sweet. So listen, let's just, look. what we're going to do this morning, just really, we're going to just look at a couple of observations of this healing and then... Um, Hopefully apply it a little bit, and then we're going to do something. Right. Okay, so a couple of things. First of all, Jesus arrives. It says the crowd brought uh, a man to Jesus who, was, who couldn't hear and he couldn't speak properly. They brought him. I don't know if he wanted to go, but they brought him. And we've seen that before and elsewhere in other healing moments, moments where people have brought somebody who's unwell. What I love, you know... How Jesus deals with people, how Jesus helps people is so lovely. What is the first thing we observe in this moment? It says, and he 
he takes him, doesn't it? Takes him away from the crowd. All the noise, all the other opinions, all you know. This is a man, you know. This is a this is a guy who who who's struggling, can't hear, can't speak. You know, there's been a whole lot of shame around this particular ailment. You know, lots of people would have said, what has that man done? He's obviously very sinful. God's put a stop to his, you know, what, what he can say. And all that kind of stuff is there. And Jesus pulls him away from that. Why? Because he's not a spectacle. He's a human being. He's a child of God. And Jesus protects his dignity. And he pulls him away and says, come on, let's have some me and you. You know, that's why when we pray for people, we don't want to make a spectacle of what's going on. We want to have, we want to protect people's dignity, but we want them to have a personal encounter with Jesus as He looks them in the eye, and it becomes a face-to-face moment. And so He pulls them away from the crowd, and then it says there, you know, just before He says, you know, be open. He says He looks up to heaven. And with a deep sigh. I don't know how you read that passage. But my immediate, my first reading of this passage was, oh, Jesus is like, oh, Lord, Father, not again. I don't know if you read that. Do you know, as I read this and kept reading, and then I just had to dig around a little bit. Do you know what the sigh is? The sigh is not about, it's not a sigh of, oh, I'm disappointed or, Oh, I've got to do this again. It's a sigh of empathy. It's a sigh, oh, this guy is struggling. And Jesus' sigh is to heaven and to the man. He connects at a deep level. He understands in that moment of togetherness what the guy's been going through. What's going on in his inside. All the internal conversations, gymnastics, emotional stuff. It's like Jesus knows. And he feels it, and he sighs, and he looks to heaven, and it's like, do it, Lord. Do it, Father. And then he says, be open. And he sticks his fingers <laughs> in his ears, and he does a weird thing. Spits and touches his tongue. Well, I don't want to read too much into that stuff. There's all sorts of hypotheses out there around, you know, assuring the man. You know, if you can't hear, what is Jesus going to do? Maybe it's a, a gesture of, hey, we're going to deal with this issue now. And the whole spit and saliva thing, there's a whole load of stuff out there you can read. You say, you know, culturally people thought there was healing properties in saliva. Mm, nice. I, I, I don't know. But I can draw a couple of um, things from this. The number one thing is let's keep the, the central thing of this, this moment uh, right at the forefront. Jesus heals. When you do hermeneutics in the, in, in the Bible, you, you, you know what? There's a saying, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> this moment is a moment of healing. Jesus does healings in loads of different ways. But often, we want formula. Don't we? And I think Jesus just does some things sometimes just to surprise us and to keep us on our toes. You know, because if he did it always the same way, we would just think that's how to do it. And us, we become mechanical and robotic and 
non-personal and we'd have people lined up and it'd be like a factory moment because we have a sort of dispensation in ourselves to do things easy. We want a system for everything. Even the administrators in the room who love systems know that there isn't a system to see people healed. There are principles and there is love. And then we have to lean on his power. It's not us. It's not what we say. It's not even sometimes how we say it. It's not that we're using some kind of, I don't know, funky dance or, you know, we have to do this and that. No. We have to lean and hear God. We have to lean on his Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus does. I only do what I see the Father doing. And in this moment, he's like, fingers in the ears. Touch the tongue. Be open. You know, when you go back and look at the list of healings, even through Mark's gospel that we've been journeying on, you know, just a couple of them, Jesus sometimes touches. The guy, the leper, the skin thing, he's like, nothing is unclean. Come on. I'm going to touch. <gasps> oh, you're touching the guy. You know, there's a reason why he does that. There are times where he commands. He doesn't even pray. He just says it. Because he knows he's been given authority. There are times where he just says to people, stretch out or get up. And other times he prays. He looks to the Father. and then he, It's like he prays and says, come God, come Father and do something. And we remember the passage before this is about the, uh, the feeding of the 5,000. And um, Jesus shares, doesn't he? He's just so generous. Obviously, he supplies our every need. And in that moment, he supplies food for over 5,000 men, probably 20,000 people. Because why? Jesus shares his resources. And we see that the passage just before that, is when the disciples go out two by two, what does Jesus do? We have a generous king, don't we? He shares his authority with his brothers. And so they go out, and their model was this. Preach the gospel, ask, get people to repent, and he says, and heal the sick. Anoint them with oil. Oh, there you go. There's another way of doing it. So that's what they did. I guess what I'm trying to say is, there isn't a formula. When Jesus said to those men, I'm giving you now power and authority to go out, there was a context to that. Do you remember what the context, what did he say straight off the back of it? He said, go, do not take an extra tunic, do not take extra money, you know, all of this stuff. Why? He says, I want you to learn to lean on me. You want to see power, then you cannot lean on formula. You've got to lean into me. Keep it simple. And so when they did that, and I bet they were nervous, and I bet they were like, oh, you know, all of that, in those moments, they had to go, I'm leaning on you now, Lord. And so I think the context for us is this. We want to see this stuff. We've got to lean. We've got to lean in. Are we leaning in? Are we really, really leaning on him? Or am I leaning on what I know? Or, you know, how I've done it in the past. Maybe God wants to do a new thing in all of us. 
Don't get me wrong, we can learn from history. But we want a new kind of future. We can build on how God's done stuff in the past, but often we have to lean on him to hear the next bit. Otherwise we just sit with what we've got, and let's be honest, that manna goes off. In the Old Testament, that, you know that food? It went off. It says, no, 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 no. You've got to use it all up. You've got to use up the history. You, you, you use what God's given you now. Eat it all. Because tomorrow I wanted to give you some fresh. Do we have some fresh? And so, just feel like this morning we need to get off the pages of the Bible. We love it. But if it's living and present, then it needs to become present for us today. So we're going to go off the pages into our reality in a minute. And we're going to leave. And I'm out of the boat. So will you join me? Okay? So just hang fire. We're going to do that in a couple of minutes. However, in this passage, so he says, be open, and then suddenly a whole new day for that guy. Yeah? Look at, he says, at this, in verse 35, at this, the man's ears were opened and his tongue was loosened and he began to speak clearly. Jesus unblocked the man's ears and the moment he did that, this man's voice and speech was immediately healed as well. I wonder today, for some of us, we feel tongue-tied in life. We feel like our lives are all tongue-tied up. And the message that we're, we can, it, it, that's being presented to the world is somewhat garbled and it's a bit of a stammer. Well, it says here, the moment this man could hear, he, there was freedom in his speech. It seems to be that for some of us, maybe, we need to hear. And if we're not hearing, then we're not going to be speaking. And if we're not hearing clearly, then actually we're not going to be presenting and speaking the clear message of the gospel and of Jesus' love to the world. If we're not hearing and feeling and knowing and connecting to God, then what kind of a message are we going to be speaking and living in the world? It's very simple, isn't it? This relationship is absolutely vital. And if there's a blockage here, then there will definitely be a blockage this way. How many of us, this is a safe place, how many of us know when there is a block this way, actually there is definitely a block that way? I know, and I'll just, in my own personal relationship, and Victoria's not here at the moment, she's in London, so I can say this anyway, but it's all good. Okay. I know when I'm out of sorts with God, I often end up out of sorts with God. When I'm not hearing from the Lord, then my message to the world isn't quite right. And in those moments where I suddenly have an opportunity, whether it's with friends, neighbors, or in the workplace, or whatever, if I know I'm not quite right with God, then I stammer, and I stutter, and I don't go with boldness, and I feel unanointed, and all of that kind of stuff in that moment. So the question I want to ask us today is, do you feel like you're stammering in this spiritual life? Uh, do, do, is there a stammer? Because if there is, 
it's possible that Jesus wants to speak to your ears of your heart today and to say, be open. And so I think maybe, two, I think two things here today. I think one, for some of us, we just need a fresh touch from God. We just need it. We're, we're tired. There's a sense of, you know, that fresh thing. I'm, it, it feels like this. I feel like I'm in a, a relationship, and I know it's a good relationship, but it's not cooking on gas. And let's be brutally honest, all marriages go through that kind of phase, don't they? There are, you know it's right to be married to this woman or this man. You know, you stood at the altar and said some things and vows. and You, you, you know, that, that young love thing is there. And it's like, I can't wait. And it's a lie. You wake up in the morning. You look at them. Even if they've got bad breath, you're like, I love you. You know, let's be honest. It's all there. But there are times in life and in marriage where you know it's the right thing. But it, ah, oh, you know. But you need it to come alive again. Some of you are like, no, never me. I know some of you. <laughs> you know me. Sometimes we just need that touch. To make it alive again. Reinvigoration. I think there's grace for that today. But I also think for some of us who have been Christians a long time, we need to just quickly ask ourselves, if I feel like I'm stammering, why? And, and one of the things that I look at and I use is Romans chapter 12. I use Romans chapter 12 as like this little mantra kind of, I'm going to take myself through this on a fairly regular basis. Because sometimes the blockages are us, not him. More often than not, blockages lay here. So I go, okay, can I just have a little spiritual health check here? And in Romans chapter 12, you, and we're not going to go into it all in detail, but first thing is this. I want you to be a living sacrifice. What does that mean? It means present yourself, present yourself. Hey, this man who could not hear, somebody else came along and said, and they presented him to Jesus, didn't they? All right? We need to present ourselves, the good, the bad, and the ugly of ourselves, in front of Jesus and say, I'm surrendering. I'm willing, some stuff in me probably needs to die. So I'm, I'm here I am. Let's surrender. When was the last time you had a conversation with Jesus, one-on-one, -on -one, and said, genuinely, Lord, I'm surrendering. Now, the moment you do that, I almost guarantee there'll be a little couple of things that just go, uh, I don't think so, pal. Uh, you're saying I'm surrendering, but this part's saying I don't think so. I like this bit. Do you know what I mean? Or is this just me and voices in my head? Help me out here, people. But there is that, isn't there? So we need to just say, I'm going to surrender. And then as you work your way through Romans chapter 12, living sacrifice, then it, then it says, just check the pattern of your life. Are you living according to the patterns of this world, of yourself, or are actually principles and patterns of the kingdom? It's good, isn't it? You're like, oh. And then you start to look at your week. You look at the month, maybe even look at the year, and you go, actually, if I'm really honest, there's some things here. So he starts to look at the patterns of our lives. And then he goes on to talk about living with sober judgment. You know, we're a body. We're a body. And then he says, live with sober, sober judgment. And don't, you know, um, 
Live with pride, in a sense. That's what he's saying. You know, pride pushes Jesus away. It does. And so suddenly, am I being proud about this issue? If I'm being proud about this issue, no wonder it's a problem this way. And so pride might be one of those things. And then he starts to talk about gifts, because we're a body. And this is where it gets quite encouraging. He says, you know, we're a body and we've got all these gifts, loads and loads of gifts. If you've got a gift of encouragement, get encouraging. So suddenly it's like, actually, maybe you're not hearing because actually you're not doing the thing that God's called you and enabled you to do. So if you're an encourager, get encouraging. And then he just goes through a whole list of stuff. If you, if you feel called to leadership, get leading. Don't sit on your leadership. Get leading. And the moment you start leading, things start to happen. And suddenly your relationship with the Lord kicks in in a whole new way. Because some of us are sitting on leadership. And maybe that's about fear. And remember Chuck talked about fear and boldness last week. So maybe you feel cold. Maybe you've got some leadership stuff you need to get going. So he says, you know, encourage, lead. What else? Uh, show mercy. <laughs> you've got a gift of mercy? Let's be merciful. Am I being merciful at work? Isn't that interesting? When, uh, you know, it's often I think when we apply things over here and it, we... You know, that compartmentalizing thing. You know, the boxes that we live in make a difference. The box here, if we're not being merciful and showing forgiveness over here, it is and it does affect us this way and that way. You can't take that box and put it on the shelf and go, it doesn't really exist. That's an unreality. That's a denial. It needs to be brought sent safe. That's right. If we are acting with unforgiveness, even let's be honest, right? Life is messy. People say stuff. People do stuff. We all do it. And there are moments in our lives when people have done things to us. You know what we do? We hold it. Don't we? Some of us take it. We almost go, do you know what? I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to put it in a box. It's going to be all nice. I'm going to put a lock on it. And I'm going to stick it on the shelf. And every so often I'm going to go back and go, Mm-hmm. That's what you did. There it is. It's there. And then we're going, Lord, I can't hear your voice. You can't hear my voice, James, because you've got an unforgiveness moment locked up on the shelf. You need to get the key of, and open that thing up and take that box of unforgiveness and go and give it to the person and say, do you know what? I forgive you. And the moment often, and that can be tough, and it can be a process, don't get me wrong, but when we do that, suddenly it's like, boom, be open starts to happen. And we could work our way through the whole of Romans 12, and at the end of it, we'd be like, ah, oh, God's always wanting to speak to me. He always wants to say something to me. He wants to bring life to me. There are some things that we need to maybe do. But I do feel like there's grace in the room to pray for it. And so, just to land, and, and this is where, you know, I love the Bible. Are you ready? You know, this, this, the, the wording here, at this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak, and he began to speak plainly. In the original language, the word is this. Mog il al os. That's the original language appears twice in the whole Bible. This tongue-tied, loosing. Two places. Here is one. 
Do you know any other places? Any idea? That's passage that we know and we believe is significant for us here at Lawrence. Come on, let's put it up. Two places in the entire Bible. And this is the other place. This is the other place. This is what's going to happen. The joy of the redeemed in Isaiah 35. And the language is exactly the same. It says, go and strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance and with divine retribution. He will come to save you. And here you go. Are you ready? The eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. And the lame will leap like a deer for the mute tongue will shout for joy. The mute tongue, the twisted tongue, the tongue tied. Those that just can't articulate the message. It says it suddenly they will be loosened and they will shout for what? Do you think that man, when Jesus said, be open, and suddenly turned to his friends, was going, I can speak really clearly now. I don't think so. He'd be like, this is extraordinary. Probably burst into tears, fully engaged. Jesus has just made me well. Joy. Guys, I genuinely cannot believe that this is the only two places in Scripture and we've been hanging out in this passage for nearly two years, on and off, saying this is a word for us at LK, that God wants to unloosen people's lives. And do you know what? To do that, he needs a church that is not tongue-tied. He needs a church that's experienced the opening and the power of God where it cannot be contained, and then where we struggled either in lifestyle or in word, to articulate the love and the power of Jesus to our community. I don't know you guys, but, but Lawrence Kirk is desperate for an untongue-tied church. There are people in the houses of this community that will never hear the gospel unless we hear and begin to speak plainly. There are people in your workplace who will never hear the gospel. They will never understand the love of God because all they've ever heard is a tongue-tied gospel of God is not pleased with you. Whereas Jesus brings the man unto himself and says, you see, these healing moments are a manifestation of God's love for his people. Oh, are you with me? So I think a couple of things, two things today. Let's do this. God wants, and I think he does and he can today, heal the sick. We're on a journey, guys. And if you're new to this, we are on a journey of taking what we read in the Bible and saying, God, we want to see it today. And yes, there are bruises. And yes, sometimes there are disappointments. But we're going to keep doing it. Because I think the more we pray, the more success we'll have. But if we don't pray, we're not going to see anything. Yeah? So we're going to do that today. We're going to take a risk and we're going to say, and we're going to start with anybody who has a hearing issue. Why? 
Because it's just a great story, isn't it? That's where we're at. That's where we are in the journey. We're going to start today with anyone who can't hear well. 